You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Like just when I finally dislodged that Radiohead song creep from my head. God damn it, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I don't you, expect that. I expect, you bring me back in. I expect, like, Rainbow, which is, in fact, in the soundtrack as well. Yeah. But, like, you know, stuff like that. 70s, like, oh, these were the things that we knew that about at the time. now, Chris. He's he got, got all those extra songs. Zoom, he got right. the brand new Zune from volume, at the end of Volume 2, which goes all the way up to the 2000s. So now This one goes up to 11. Now, 2011. <laughs> now the soundtrack has been updated. And yes, our first song is an acoustic version of Creep. Which, yeah, I said, Spoiler I warning. Dis- I just dislodged because I saw a meme the other day that had like the head of a peep on Radiohead, the Radiohead guy, Tom York, I'm and he's like, I'm a peep, peep. I'm a marshmallow. I will say, you guys have not lived unless you've gone to a karaoke and see a first date with two people and the guy always inevitably sings creep. And you That's- just, and you wait, and you just know. They're going to fall madly in love. Oh, God. As he's looking right at her singing a song. Oh, yeah. It's wildly inappropriate. It is deeply upsetting. It is is haunting. As a friend of mine who once had a radio show in college, somebody called him up and said, I want to dedicate this song to my girlfriend. Well, what song you want to play? It's like uh, R.E.M.'s. This one goes to the one I love. And he's like... Dude, I don't think you know what that song is. <laughs> I'm surprised it was not Nine Inch Nails. I'm going to fuck you like an animal. I so. mean, it's still like, it's like Trump playing Born in the USA during his round. <laughs> You're like, do you know what that song's actually about? No, nobody should have been playing Back in the USSR. <laughs> Topical. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are here to review Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, the last at least of the James Gunn directed Guardians of the Galaxy films for Marvel, and certainly the last, you know, presumably, as far as everyone's saying, with the original lineup here in addition to a lot of other uh reject here space heroes who have joined the team or at least the sidelines of the team over the years because you know you've still got your you know chris pratt as peter quill slash star lord and you still got dave batista as drax the destroyer uh, and Vin Diesel is Groot and Bradley Cooper voicing Rocket with a body, um, mocap work by Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother. But now you've also got Karen Gillan, who started out as a villain as Nebula, but now she is like firmly part of the team. And to be clear, a bunch of years have passed in Marvel times since Volume the last this, film. Yeah. I mean, this is like the Christmas special that aired on, uh, on D- Disney Plus is right before this, clearly. And 
honestly, if you haven't watched the Disney special, you have to watch the Disney special before you watch this, the Christmas yeah. special, because there's a lot of stuff in that. There's a lot of plot stuff that happens that you need to know before you go into I this. didn't. Well, now, yeah. And, and I failed. was so lost. You, I got okay, it. I got understood. It. No, you won't be fine. lost. But, I mean, there are definitely some linking material but there. But you've got yeah. Pom, Pom Clemente, TF, I don't know how to say her name, is Mantis. She's you got it. Full hey, on hey, member hey, of you the, got the it. Team. Uh, Sean Gunn uh, also plays Kraglin, who was a member of the Guardians and uh, Yondu's sec, former second-in-command, but now is sort of literally... So, <laughs> the cat is knocking over things. Is literally sort of sidestepped into the frame to become one of the sort of tertiary members of the Guardian. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it helps you, when your brother's a director. Indeed. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if you've seen Avengers Endgame, uh, then you know that Gamora didn't survive. Or did she? Well, she didn't. But an earlier time version of her, before she met any of the Guardians, right. before, like, just after she had, like, broke away from Thanos, is now out there in the universe, who has no feelings towards Star-Lord whatsoever. And this is kind of making Star-Lord depressed. He's getting drunk regularly, and everyone else is like, this shit has got to stop. Uh, this is like she doesn't like you. It's yeah. like, well, wait, she's, she's still around out there. She's yeah. part of the Ravagers now, the team that originally abducted Peter Quill from Earth that he became a part of, which is also comprised of all the original OG Guardians of the Galaxy, right? From you know, the like 60s. your Rockies and uh, whatnots. <laughs> but uh, so they're like, okay, so what are we doing? We're just kind of hanging around this this uh, world they more or less built called nowhere but spelled with a k which is built out of the head of a dead space god uh but they bought it from the collector yeah and it's a it's basically a refuge for the universe's like cast-offs that aren't like scum and villainy it's, it's yeah. james gunn's island of misfit toys yeah exactly totally. it's yeah. like stroma city yeah they all get along <laughs> but with the, a budget they they, <laughs> they 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 bluetooth the zoom to the speakers so everyone can rock which is, out which is great it's like i i've always wanted to live in the world where it was like you know what i'm gonna play this song and everyone is gonna listen to it god damn oh, yeah. it and we've also got cosmo the space dog is a regular member of the team now voiced by uh borat's daughter maria what's her name ba- well, I'm saying Borat's daughter. I know, but yeah, like, Maria Bakalova. There you go. What? Also an original Palm OG. Co- uh, uh, yeah, well, that one was Guardian. <laughs> yeah, also an original OG Guardian in the comic books. Um, so they're like, all right, what's going on? And then this dude shows up out of nowhere. Adam Warlock played bafflingly, I thought, with the casting, but I thought ultimately it works by uh, Will Poulter. Yeah. So I was like, what a strange choice. But really? You think so? I thought it was a very weird choice, but I think ultimately when you see this, you're like, okay, they chose him partially because of his ability to do comedy, and yeah. he yeah. is played for sort of like comic relief. He's totally. a different version of the character but, than what yeah. you're used to in the comics. He shows up very, very powerful, uh, blasting the shit out of things and trying to grab Rocket, and blasts Rocket so hard that Rocket's in critical condition. They put like old, you know, magic healing science pads on yes. his chest, but it doesn't work because apparently the beings that originally created him put in this fail-safe thing on his heart that will like blow up if someone basically does any sort of invasive surgery whatsoever, or any sort of surgery, and that thing sets it off as well. And they're like, okay, now we have a clock ticking to try and figure out his past and figure out how to get the code to turn this thing off so we can just put the shit on his chest and he'll instantly be healed, right? That's the goal. And it turns out there's this character called the High Evolutionary. Who, uh, Which, that's an old-school, like, character, oh, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, played by Chukwudi Iwuji, uh, who, who I believe... I believe Peacemaker. 
Oh, yeah, he was, he was peacemaker. in Peacemaker. Didn't he also play Barack Obama in uh, Barry? I oh, don't know. I don't know. Well, he played. A, I know he was in that movie. I'm not entirely sure. But I don't think. No, he did not play. Bar- the, he did not play Barack Obama. Idea. This is a complete narcissist who whole thing. I thought you were talking about. about you know about the HBO series? No, no. Sorry. <laughs> I was like what? Barack Obama's in that. I mean, <laughs> I, I know I'm behind on that. Seen that I haven't it's seen a lost that show, episode but, uh, in season two. Oh wow! <laughs> you got to get. You got to spoil it for me, guys. It, it turns out the old hater has to go and kill Obama. <laughs> Obama's actually a professional assassin. So. <laughs> I knew it. It. He's like, that no, no. cool. I expect that to happen in John Wick, not Barry. Because <laughs> oh, literally, be if John, if if Let uh, Barack Obama was in I'm John Wick Five, <laughs> yeah, oh the my odds God. are if you're in the John Wick universe, it's like you got a seventy percent chance you're a professional assassin. <laughs> more like eighty five. More like almost ninety percent. Like who are you killing? <laughs> Like, I, there's no professional Look, there's in 8 billion world. people in the world people deserve to die <laughs> god damn it so it's all race to try and find out who this find this guy high evolutionary whose whole thing is he, he was a scientist who decides that like everything needs to be made more perfect and has come up with various techniques for evolutionizing things uh now he's using sort of like space magic as it were and uh, just he's ultra science God. And he's putting yeah, him in a yeah. in a in, in the fly tanks and yeah. like but the problem is they get super angry and then there's like you there's lots of flashbacks because rocket's going through all this in his head we go to the, the, the flashbacks of finally seeing his origin story out high evolutionary was early on experimenting with mechanical st- stuff in yeah, creatures yeah. and the thing with him is for reasons that pisses off the high evolutionary because he doesn't know why rocket is immediately the moment he gets the ability to really think he's really smart yeah and can figure out shit science-wise even the high evolutionary is like how in the fuck did you even put that together how now, do you know that can- so he's become the aberrant why is this here so he wants him back to be able to cut open his brain and try and figure out okay what yeah. element am i missing here right right <laughs> can we talk about real quick and we're not going to go into spoilers or anything like that at all unless we want to but in i thought the the flashbacks that uh it at least showed uh rocket's uh origin were so goddamn poignant and great i i loved it well, that was the disney coming through that's for sure well, but disney, okay well i think disney that- by way of uh we3 right <laughs> remember when bambi died and you cried now, what if you saw Bambi being ripped no. apart and cybernetically enhanced no. and all of his friends, including Thumper and Flower, getting torn to pieces and, and becoming teeth. like weird cybernetic mutants? Do you remember that? I think it was a Warren Ellis comic. I think it's called WE3. WE3, yeah. Yeah, with like yeah. the animals Wait, that the all have like cyber- the <laughs> the yes. cybernetic parts. Yeah, no, it's I know. That. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, uh, but kind of adorable and poignant. And, um, and also incredibly sad. Because yeah. it's like, but it's also, like so movie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. Also hinted that from the very first film i mean rocket has always said like i didn't ask to be torn apart and turned into a little monster yeah you know and finally you know you kind of wonder is like why has he never mentioned this before well this is the time we get his origin unfortunately rocket spends half the movie in a coma yeah having these flashbacks uh, over well over half of them at, at least yeah. but at, at least like you get a ton of of rocket you, you get a ton of rocket material and, and i think that's fucking great that you get to see all these things and it, it all makes so much more sense now from his background and like on why he is the way that he is sure and i i man like the connections that he had and like and why he's always really wanted a family but because of what ultimately happens 
he's reluctant to have that kind of family and now he's like grasping it like yeah. with everything i thought that was really powerful by the way that's right over here openly weeping on the couch <laughs> oh god damn it <laughs> Because this, this Marco, is Marco not weeping. Not weeping. And I'm Chris. Because um, I'm heartless. But that's the thing. The entire film is going so much more for poignancy than certainly either one of the previous Guardians films. Uh, and as well, like I said, a lot of time has passed. And these characters who've gone from sort of like constantly like barking at each other and not really liking each other, uh, except it's reluctantly, like, it's, it's now like, are really a family and care about each other. Yeah, it's it's kind of great to see like the all it's always sunny family kind of like get together and like, no, we all love each other. Yeah, actually. We're, like they really genuinely care about each other now, which means this film is a very different type of chemistry and dynamic than the previous films. Did. Yeah, once Rocket's in peril, all of them are like, fuck it, we got to do whatever we need to do. Meanwhile, you have Gamora 2.0 going like, why the fuck are you guys even bothering? Which is the way you know that, okay, this is at the Who old Who cares Gamora about this badger? Because, yeah. yeah, she can't even get it straight, like what he is. Which yeah. is, again, one of the great running jokes that no one ever seems to understand that he's a raccoon. Ro- Rocket himself doesn't know what a raccoon is. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, it, I'm not a raccoon. <laughs> but here is it's my... called Trash Panda. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the technical term, yes. Uh, as much as I enjoyed this, I do have a big complaint about it in that mm. it's not a big complaint, but it's a complaint. It's so clunky that first half. I mean, I, I'm not really kidding when I say Rocket's out of commission for half the movie. He's in the movie that whole period, yeah, but in tons flashback, of flashbacks, yeah. tons of great Rocket material. If you love Rocket and you want a good tearjerker, you're going to get that. But really, the first act is like, okay, we need to save Rocket, so we got to go to this one pl- cool looking place to get a thing and then once we've done that we've got to go to another cool looking place to get another thing and then the third act kicks in and it was it's a, just non-stop mayhem marco but it was it was like a secretly a heist movie exactly but the Which heist is, went on too long and they were not really narratively imported it was just like let i still stand by my favorite sequence in all of these films is that first prison break when they become a team for the first time. And you're like, what are they doing? And they have this really cool plan and they escape here. It's a lot of that, except we don't always know the plan. And it just seems like an excuse to spend a lot of time in these really beautifully designed environments. But there's like five minutes worth of story here. And it's going to go for like 20, 30 minutes. Look, Marco, the whole plan is to secretly look really cool. <laughs> well, that is a callback that. to something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't really have as much of a problem with that. Although, um, sh- there's always going to be people who are going to bitch about the running time of, of Disney movies, like there always are of like Marvel films. It's 150 minutes, right? So, man, it breezed by. Uh, I did not feel it at all. I thought overall it did too, but I think some of the the complaining this time is going to be because it's not just like the others. Like, it's <sighs> not a, a, it's always on in philadelphia anymore you know it's sure a, it's sure. a different animal going on it's and i think it's like quite lovely with like how much still they like they're fighting but they you get to see everyone have their moment and have their character arcs and genuinely care about one another and more than the other two because i did not care for the second one like that much at all okay and uh the first one was like a blast i thought it was like one of the best marvel movies at the time and this one man honestly this might be like one of the better marvel movies since oh wow. fucking endgame huh like i wow okay yeah like i i was genuinely that surprised still goes to the last spider-man 
Well, the, the last Spider-Man was actually pretty great, uh, but like, okay, since the last Spider-Man, and uh, and so it's the best Marvel movie since the last one, <laughs> which seems to be what most critical. Well, that's not fucking true because Ant-Man in the end was just kind of like, uh, sure. but hey, that was the exists. best movie. That was the best Marvel movie since the last one. Well, this one had fucking heart, and it was actually directed to Helen back. And I mean, that's uh, the thing is, he really wanted it to have heart. It's like it's like Disney was in charge of trauma. Because there's, man, I don't think that. There's so many bizarre, kind of gross monsters yeah. in this yes, thing. Yes, of course. And like, it's like the High Evolutionary is basically Dr. Moreau. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, I mean basically. There, there is a whole, like, scene where, like, you get to see Remember the townspeople of the city. Yeah. It was like, this is Trauma City and yeah. Dr. Moreau. Exactly. That's what this is. It's yeah. Sid's toys from Toy Story, except they're made out of flesh. Yeah. I, I mean, until it's like, oh, okay, here's the better versions that are just Dr. Moreau's animal people yeah. everywhere. You're like, okay. Uh, there's an interesting dynamic here of James Gunn no longer giving a fuck about what's expected of him and just doing what he actually wants to do. Yeah. Which is, you know, I mean, fine. <laughs> I think it's really cool. Okay. I I, th- I thought, like, the fact that he was given full, like, free reign to do what he wanted to do and write the characters. Well, they kind of had to give him that just to get him back. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and finish their stories and give them all of their due. And how... B- you know, bittersweet it all ends up being. I I thought it was a really well done like cap on the whole thing. I mean, I genuinely had fun with it, and I think there's at least two action scenes in here in particular that are spectacularly well done. Um, there's a hallway fight scene with the whole crew, just and just wonderful camera work and just really cool. Gets neat old boy action run for its money. That's not a film I would compare to this. Yeah. But. <laughs> Sorry, See, to me, uh, I, that was just a show-off shot. It's fun. Yeah, but there's nothing it's wrong just a, with that when it's well yeah. done. You the know? thing is, that movie had already done so many like show-offy yeah. action sequences. I'm like, come on! But some you've of the got s- the heart, you've got the story. Focus on that. Some of the space stuff is a little like what's happening. A little, yes. there's a, like a lot of like I can't follow what's happening. There's too much, too many things blowing up. Too much stuff. It going gets on. Little, matter, it, except no, they don't. It gets a little transforming where like yeah. there's like so much machinery clashing into one another. Yeah. I'm like, there are definitely times I was like, I can't actually tell what the fuck is going on yeah but every character gets their own sort of well very mini emotional arc generally i mean the the biggest one is rocket himself of course but then star lord and gamora and she's kind of forced into working with him and he's like you know being almost faintly stalkerish <laughs> really but uh, give him yeah, a break yeah uh, but he's like not dealing with it well like, and dude, her she's just not into you slowly starting to see what not necessarily the appeal specifically of him but the appeal of this sort of family and these people is is definitely something that that is building the emotional core of this film but everybody gets their nice moments here that also advance them as characters we learn a little bit more about them we learn that they have a little more layers to them than previously thought including fucking drax which i did drax coming nebula i mean man well nebula's turned into an old softy now nebula is (laughs) fucking fantastic in this movie and like and even drax like the 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 very slow and then rapid arc uh that he has it i it works for me <laughs> because of how ridiculous that character is normally normally portrayed and him getting this really poignant like response from another character explaining like who he really is and it is the core to who he really is from the first film I'm like oh my god that that's it yeah and it's 
It fucking works. I agree. Now, I don't think every moment they go for here emotionally works. There's a bit with Sean Gunn where he's constantly trying to figure out Yondu's arrow and he can't make it really work. And there's a bit that like literally goes to a flashback of Yondo doing like, use your heart, kid. And I was like, use the force. Fucking Luke. please. Yeah. That, well, was, like, that was just, just a lame. chance to, <laughs> hey. that was just an excuse to bring back Michael Rooker for yeah, a day. For, yeah, exactly. Because he's spoiler. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, they're using old footage. They're using any trick in the book to get his voice back in there, whatever. Yeah. I mean, look, one of the things I've always loved about the Guardians films is that it was honestly the first MCU film that was not based on characters I was familiar with. Mm. So I had no preconceived notions about who they were or what kind of stories they should be in. And also, I, you know, because they're out in the galaxy, it's not connected to any of the storylines on Earth. Those films didn't feel like homework. I didn't need to watch like eight movies, two TV shows, and a handful of web shorts and like five post-credit sequences to understand what was happening or to feel invested in the characters. But this time around, as Chris alluded to earlier, you have to have seen at least a little bit of that holiday special. You have to have seen Endgame. You have to have seen Infinity War. It feels like it is a summation. It is wrapping up, but it also just felt kind of clunky to me that first half it gets there's great moments but that first half really felt i guess that stuff doesn't i'm not one of those people who's bothered by that building universe stuff because yeah. i'm i'm all in i watch it all and i'm like that's cool I, i'm like i like that like with comic books it's a continuing story and when they bring something back around i'm deeply pleased about it i get that obviously not everybody feels that way but for me that's an essential nature of comics. It's an essential nature of comic movies. I, I generally I like it. Generally just, did it pretty well here. Yeah. It just wasn't really part of the first two films. But this also feels like one of the like an like a epilogue after Endgame. Yeah, uh, uh, like that's just like okay, we really are wrapping up the the last iteration of Marvel. Right. It, right. This is just yeah. where I felt all the moving parts for the first time, and I didn't feel that in the first two. Mm. You know, I liked it, but I could feel like okay, I have to make this piece work, and I have to pay this thing off, and I have to allude to this thing that happened two movies ago. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, but I mean, look, you have a trilogy. I don't care how good a trilogy you make, sooner or later, you, one of them's got to be the Return of the Jedi of the bunch. And for <laughs> yeah. me, that's this. It, maybe not the best comparison. I mean, because that's no, a Stone Cold it's, classic. It's, it's true it's as well. It's just not like, as good as the other This two. takes a turn to, like, we've got to have a bunch of cute shit in here. Yes. You know, like Return of the Jedi. And it does. And well, I mean, it works but, more than it doesn't. But it, there are points I'm like, this is going on too long. Like, uh, the flashback stuff with the cutesy, weird, cybernetic animals, I was like, can we wrap this up, please? Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would uh, that means so Why much to me. Why do you like seeing animals tortured, right? Yeah, that's a good <laughs> question. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? It was not seeing them tortured. It was seeing them just like bond. It's like you don't. You assholes, an otter with little metal. Eyes. Oh, it's so oh, sweet. Oh, that moment that. in the beginning of Rebel, Rebel Without a Cause <laughs> where you realize the reason Sal Minio's in the police station is because he was torturing and killing puppies. <laughs> And it's never discussed again for the rest of the film. Yeah, well, you back, assholes. In, the well, back in the 50s, you did that sort of thing. Nobody cared. It was like black people and puppies. People in the f had different priorities back then. <laughs> I, guess so. I guess so. All right, we got to get a final, time. final thoughts. Marco, why do you get us started? Like I said, I, I enjoyed this. I don't want you to get the impression that I did it. But I do feel that it was clunky structurally. I think this is the weakest of the films. 
Jim James Gunn has given himself a lot to do here. He's got to pay off a lot of stuff. He's got to answer a lot of questions and he has to give a satisfactory ending. And I think he does that by and large. And part of the thing that weighs you down the whole movie is we were talking about Star Trek Picard. You know, it's the last group or it's the last time this group is going to be on screen together, potentially, possibly ever. And so you really feel the stakes are here. That's to its credit. There, this whole movie, you're thinking, wow, anybody could go at any time. And I don't know if I'm ready to say goodbye to any of them yet. All of those heartfelt moments, they're earned. They feel great. It's just when it comes down to the action and the big set pieces, I think they actually detract from all the stuff that's really good about this, which I think there was a much better balance in the first two. But that's just my opinion. I mean, it's right, but it's my opinion. Uh, I no, I'm to... right. I, I, oh, you're right. I'm I, sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. You're standing I, right I just there. want to say, you know. It's I'm correct right is what I think. I, oh, yes. okay. I get confused. I get uh, confused. Look, hey, man, if you're right, I don't want to be if wrong. You or something figured, like that. If you haven't figured this out by now, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but yeah, definitely go check this out. I just think you should manage your expectations because I felt it was a little bit clunky and I felt a lot of the seams. But hey, he had a big challenge to do, and he did a pretty good job overall. I'm going to give this 7 out of 10 space iguanas on a stick. <laughs> ha! Uh, correct? I mean, right? God damn it. I <laughs> no, affirmative. <I'm> <laughs> Engage. <laughs> Star Trek? I don't know. Anyway, uh, so I kind of love this movie. Wow. I really Why don't did. you marry it? Well, mm-hmm. I would if I could, and I would like to, but probably a, illegal in the state of Texas. It's like sure uh, the here, Tennessee, the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, three. yeah. <laughs> Definitely here, Tennessee, Florida, somewhere like that. You can't it, marry a franchise. <laughs> I've been disenfranchised by the government. <laughs> I, I, I had a fucking blast with this because it felt like it, like. It, it really focused on the characters more than even like volume two. Cause volume two was more about Quill and his dad and, uh, with ego. And I, I was like kind of bored by that movie. And so this one, it just like, it felt like the action and like the rhythm was like, keep on going, keep on going. Uh, the pacing was fucking fantastic. I, I know that, like you said, that it was like clunky. The, the, the parts that I think that are cl- like clunky, I guess what you're referencing. It's some of the action with like the space battle shit, and that's Which where is I thought about a third of the movie. That's I, I don't. That's, that's that's actually pretty strong. That's yeah. like you're talking about thirty percent of the movie. That's not like thirty percent of the movie. That's yeah. like there's a lot more that's going on. Like there's like spacewalk shit on like membrane weird planet crap, and <laughs> uh, and so like I don't think that. It was as clunky as, at least from my point of view, that I think it was we are saying it is. And I, I really enjoyed seeing, uh, like the, with Rocket going through his flashbacks and understanding where he came from. I thought those scenes were so great. And, and again, let me said the word already poignant, uh, where you get to see like Bradley Cooper kind of like, acting the shit out of it finally even though it was Sean Gunn's motion cap uh but man those scenes like and I Marco I swear to god I heard you 
Oh no! I mean, the tear jerking is. Real. I I I, mean, I fucking he cried. The tears. <laughs> I cried, and uh, he jerked the che- tears. So you could say it's masturbatory. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, James Gunn. I had a good time, and I finished. God damn it! <laughs> but and, but it was all the tear jerking, and it was still a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I also thought, like, even like Peter Quill's story was really good, and like kind of bittersweet uh i just i don't know i i thought that uh all of it like it was sean or sean james gunn uh, sean gunn we talked about him too much yeah. uh james gunn's just kind of like odd little great trilogy of movies that he wanted to do and put it all together even though i think the second one's the weakest one uh i like the second one a lot i, you I mean the empire not. strikes back of the trilogy? it is not the empire strikes back <laughs> it is the empire i know whatevers. lots of people have issues with the second one yeah. but uh i i really did enjoy it if you love uh if you love any of these characters and think that they're great and funny and sweet then you're gonna have a fucking blast with this uh i think that um that there is a lot of uh cute stuff and great action stuff in this movie i'm saying stuff a lot in this uh, i'm a little drunk anyway uh <laughs> but i'm gonna give this nine out of ten wow. face off <laughs> that is you'll understand that at an hour and 45 minutes James Gunn should do a remake of Face Off. I would watch that. Fuck my life. That would be graphic. You know, they're still yeah. talking about a sequel. They're still talking about it. Like, as of like a few months ago. Is it called Face Offs? <laughs> face Offs. No, face but with both off? original characters face somehow off returning. Gross. Nicolas Cage and That's John Travolta. Gross. I don't know how that would work, but they're like, well, we it's odd now off. that one of them has no hair and the other one has more hair than they did before. Yeah. So that'll cut the budget down right there. It'll be <laughs> much easier for them to portray one another. To be fair, both their faces look like they're sliding off at this point. So. <laughs> uh, It'll yeah. be easier. I, I had a lot of fun with this. I mean, I'm definitely suffering from some degree of the same amount of Marvel exhaustion I think everybody else is. Is what, the 32nd Marvel film? <sighs> like, that's a lot. And, uh, you know, I almost feel like, and I think a lot, a lot of people have said it, it'd be kind of great if they took a break for two or three years. Yeah. You know, and just reconsidered and went like, okay, where do we really want to go here and really work on the next plan and give us a chance to look forward to it again? You know? I, so I'm feeling, even though I can look at this movie and go, yeah, this is a good, fun movie, but like, it's still a very similar to a lot of other good, fun I mean, movies. Return and- of the Jedi wasn't the best, but you know why we liked it? Because we waited three years to get it. We were happy to get it. <laughs> Stop saying goddamn Return of the Jedi. Although, and yet, we didn't feel that way about The Phantom Menace, and that was like 30 years. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's always, it's always going to work We were very excited way. about it, and we oh, saw we were it. We excited like, about it. Oh, no. Oh, and then the disappointment. Be careful what you wish for. Well, maybe the next one will be better. And then the monkey's paw <laughs> lowered one finger. <laughs> maybe and Attack then, of the Clones. And then two years later, it lowered a second. <laughs> and I, I'm okay, sure okay, the Rise of Skywalker the is the one that'll just bring it all back together. And, oh. Well, Revenge of the Sith is more of like, uh, yeah, uh, middle finger, yeah. Um, no, I mean, ultimately, I did have fun with this. I know, I get it. The, the poignancy, the Disney-ishness of this. Oh, God there. Damn it. it is. But I'm like, but through James Gunn's twisted version of it, I mean, 
it is cute and it works more than it doesn't, but there are points it either goes on to, there's too much of it. Or like I said, with that Sean Gunn moment, I was like, come on guys, this is like this. You didn't need to have this in here. We've already got a lot of this stuff and now you're trying to pull this. There's even a characters in heaven moment type of thing. That's like, <sighs> wow, this is the most, maybe the most played out trope that there is. Okay. It's a trope. I mean, they really also- should have just retired that after, you know, Shia LaBeouf went to, Transformers robot head. Look, <laughs> that you should have called a moratorium did on a tug that, of war that with my emotions and <laughs> tears. I thought it was pretty corny, um, uh, but you know what? Whatever. Uh, when this movie is fun, which is most of it, it's really fun. We do get to see some nice send offs for all of these characters. It is a satisfying ending overall for them. I can't say I didn't have a good time. So I'm going to give it a seven and a half out of ten. Um, creeps, and I'm talking about you, Peter Quill. Seriously, <laughs> chill the fuck out. Like, it's not the same girl. Hey, look, we were lovers in another life. Okay, wait, what? You, you and, and I. You and no, wait, huh? Chris Peter Cross Quill? Cox. You oh, and yeah. Chris Brett. In another parallel dimension, Chris Cross Cox. Uh, no. That never oh, happened. We I've you been accosted to... the cocks, man. You should have do that. I've, hey, don't cross me. I, <laughs> you know, I've killed every version of you in every other parallel <laughs> dimension. Finally, found one I could tolerate. Yeah. <laughs>